It um, is it is eleven oh one. I'm just looking at Kieran, and it's time to go to Miami live because the big one tomorrow in UFC two eighty seven is Israel Adesanya Pereira two. Uh, Adesanya looking to get that middleweight belt back, and Mike, of course, is the striking coach for Israel Adesanya. Hello, Michael. G'day, mate. What's going on? Uh, well, we're talking to you now. Are you in the middle of training? It's about seven o'clock over there. Actually, we've uh, we've tailed off for the day. We're just uh, just about to have our uh, post weigh-in celebration meal because obviously Israel weighed in uh, well under this morning. He was 184.5 uh, pounds. The limits are 185, and he did that without doing a cut. So um, he's he's almost going in at walk-around weight. So that's pretty impressive. All right, mate. Uh, Grant Elliott's joining us. He's going to ask you a couple of questions shortly, but I, I got to ask you this question. And I, I know being inside the camp, being part of the camp, you're always looking www. Are you of the belief right now that following that loss, that this time around he's got Pereira's number, or is it going to be at, as tough as it was last time? Well, I think there's two things to that. There's one uh, these these Guys are uh, actually incredibly close. They, they've fought well-contested bouts throughout. The results don't tell, entirely tell the story of the fight. Um, in the uh, second kickboxing fight, Pereira, um, again, uh, got caught at the end of the round and had about a 13 to 15 second eight count. So, you know, uh, very competitive, and uh, he was well behind when he came back and clipped Izzy. He managed to do it again, so we have to bear that in mind, that they're both very capable of hurting each other. It's uh, really uh, Alex's power has got him out of trouble on a couple of occasions, and he's very comfortable with that. He has extraordinary once-in-a-generation power, and that makes preparing a fight for him, or or a strategy for him, very difficult, because he can always pull something out or derail um, at the 11th hour, which is what he did last time. So are we confident? Yes, we think we've uh, done the right work and we've got the right tools, um, we've got the right athlete. But, you know, this is the elite of the elite. Pajera is one of the greatest kickboxers in that weight division of all time. Um, Israel is one of the greatest MMA fighters in the middleweight division of all time. Uh, So you're talking about the absolute pinnacle of the game. Uh, and, you know, that that's where we're at. Uh, if you're asking, do we feel confident? Yeah, we feel confident. Um, but, you know, like anything, uh, flight sports is an incredibly harsh mistress. Um, you know, you, you can't uh, play a game of rugby, run in six tries and then lose because someone scores a great try against you. That is how fight, sporting, fight sports are. You can lose quite dominating a great portion of the fight. And for us, what that means is you need to maintain focus, intensity, sharpness and conditioning throughout because you're dealing with a guy who has great power, incredible powers of recovery and a very, very steely resolve to win. Hey, Mike, great to have you on the show and and listen to your insights. And and also, we know how busy you are in camp at the moment um, in the lead up to this fight. But what I wanted to ask, it was the uh, mental side of the, of fighting. You know, once you, you get a loss, um, you know, how do you go about getting over that mental side of it? You can obviously be in physical shape, but what do you do to get over that? Because, I mean, that must be quite scarring for you, and they've met a number of times. 
So is a lot of this fight about getting over that, that mental hurdle? Um, look, we wouldn't have accepted the fight if we weren't getting over that mental hurdle. Um, Israel is a fighter who never backs away from a challenge. He has taken on all comers and has never shied away from any fighter. Um, that's just the, the nature of, of, of the athlete that, that we have there. Um, in terms of, you know, and you'd probably appreciate this, look, if you've got a guy who's slinging down a, a, a quick ball that's 155, 160 kilometres an hour and you've been clipped on the helmet once or twice, yeah, of course you're going to be cautious and you know you need to have your, your defences and your, your reaction time right on point. But you prepare for it, and we're prepared for it. And, uh, you know, you can only uh, do what you can do in terms of reading yourself, understanding the fighter you're against, um, and understanding what weapons are likely come at a particular position in the cage. And that's, that's all you can do. Uh, at this level, both these guys have had over 100 fights. They've both had losses. They've both been uh, stopped, um, you know, previously. Um, because they are two of the greatest fighters of all time. And uh, if they didn't have the mental fortitude to be able to uh, come back from that, they wouldn't be in the position that they're in. Um, so is it a factor to consider? Yes. But the media, let's remember, is a marketing machine. And uh, they're about creating controversy. They're about creating doubt. They're about uh, quite often generating eyes on screens and betting dollars on, in online betting. Um, for us, it's real simple. We just want the belt back. Mike, he, he spoke to as he spoke to Ravinda Hunia on UFC on Sky, and I know, I know he loves talking to Rav and has has great respect for her. And, and she asked the question about what's this fight for you, and what are we going to see? And he said, "Fighting spirit." And I'd never, I'd, I know I know what he says about that, but I'd never heard him say it out loud before. So you know, because he knows he has to prove himself again. Well, it, it's not really about proving yourself. It's about uh, being able to to go into the trenches to understand that this is a sport where you get hurt, and you know, taking pain is a customary part of the sport. And in order to succeed. You must have that fighting spirit. You must fight through those dark moments and come out and turn them around and look for an opportunity for victory. Uh, that is very much about what combat sport is about, and it's why people are so drawn to it, because it takes you to the darkest possible places, and there's only you. There's no one else, not your coach, not your corner, no one else who can pull yourself up and uh, create victory out of that. And, you know, that's what he's talking about. When you're talking about fighting spirit, it's the ability to, to go into a dark place, to come out and to uh, have greater fighting spirit than your opponent. Mike, the last time they fought, and, and you can you will correct me, he, he wrestled a lot, is he? And I, was, I wasn't expecting that. Was that a set plan to try and unhinge Pereira and say, well, actually, we can play your game too? And do you think it backfired on him? Um, it's MMA. It, it, it's about um, all facets of the game, whether it's jiu-jitsu, whether it's wrestling, whether it's tie boxing clinch, whether it's uh, K1-style kickboxing from the outside. We have an athlete who has 
uh, abilities a, a, across a spectrum of ranges, and you you have to employ that. You have to take that where the fight goes. Uh, when you say he wrestled a lot, um, he, he had him down in round three, and he, and he kept him down. Um, he kept on mat returning him, and he, and he landed a lot of ground and pound. Um, so I wouldn't say you wrestled a lot. I'd say he took a took an opportunity. He he secured a takedown from a lateral drop from memory. And, um, you know, he, he showed he was very strong in that area. Um, did it cost him? No. Um, it, it won him the round. What, what cost him really simply was probably not taking care of his leg in the first round, where Alex landed three or four hard calf kicks. And then uh, whilst well ahead in the fight, he uh, threw a low kick, which uh, was, was checked by Alex. Um, he fell back off balance. And that created enough momentum for Alex to come forward on, uh, you know, get on the front foot, get him with his back towards the cage, which is where Alex is most dangerous. This sport is about moments, and that was a moment that just turned the tide subtly enough against with two guys who are so evenly matched um, that it enabled Alex to get into his flow and Izzy, uh, partially because his leg was compromised due to the work that Alex had done, um, and, you know, Alex was able to take advantage of that. But that that's the nature of the game we play. Um, it's milliseconds and millimetres. And, um, you know, it's it's a cruel mistress. Um, but, you know, it's it's also, uh, you know, a, a, a sport where uh, the exuberance of winning is just tremendous. It's, a, it's an unbeatable feeling. So um, there, there's no... Uh, second place here. I guess that's the, the biggest thing. You're, you're either celebrating or you're commiserating. There, there is no other way to look at our sport. Hey, Mike, as 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 a strike coach uh, for Israel, um, do you train scenarios? Like, do you train what you think Pereira is going to come at him with, or is it the ability to what you just spoke about? It's milliseconds. It's about adapting to change, and you don't really know what's going to come at you, or can you actually? create the perfect scenario and the perfect game plan going into a fight? Um, oh look, it's a dynamic sport, so you can never create a perfect game plan. You can have a good comprehensive game plan where you look at what your opponent has done um, over, you know, and not just his, his last fights, but his, his entire career. You look at habits, you look at patterns, you look at strengths. And you look at weaknesses, and then you look at what your athlete can do, and, and how that athlete can nullify those strengths and uh, and maximise their own, maximise their own. And um, yeah, you do that to the best of your ability. Um, and then after that, it's what you see in the corner, um, and it's your athlete's ability to execute. So, like any good coach, you know, again using that cricket analogy, um, if you've got a guy who um, you know, who, who takes a body line attack, you, you're going to have to work on, you know, swaying, getting out of the way or flicking it off your hip or, or hooking and pulling. Um, so you present them with a lot of those uh, opportunities, um, a lot of those looks, um, and you, you hope that you've done enough work so that, uh, you know, when those areas arrive, you can take advantage. Mate, I'm intrigued to know, and I know how passionate you are about fight sports, but I'm intrigued to know, being on the inside, but sitting on the outside and watching the circus that surrounds Israel on a fight weekend, do we have any understanding, and can you give us 
any insight into how the crazy craziness goes on? Um, no, we don't have an understanding. Israel's a global superstar, um, and the the madness that surrounds him uh, is incredible. Uh, in, in many ways, uh, the job of the team is to shield him from that, and um, you know, thus not uh, having too much media engagement, thus not getting too caught up in you know four, five, six hundred fans lined up. You know, or who follow you home from the hotel to see where you're staying, and they'll be there and they'll sleep out all night and try and get your autograph. It's it's that kind of um, madness, if you like, um, that makes us sort of glad that we live in New Zealand. Although even in New Zealand, it can get difficult at times these days. But yeah, it's crazy, um, and we don't have an idea. Um, and the only idea we get is uh, when. You know, Israel or his security says no after signing about 500 uh, items of clothing. He says, no, I've got to go to training now. And then someone cries and, you know, gets disappointed about it. But um, that's the only sort of indication we have. It's a, it's a tremendous invasion of one's privacy. Um, fortunately, Israel's very good at doing that. Um, but it is training, and ultimately we're here to fight. So, you know, that's the job of the coaches and security personnel to protect them from that. Mike, I'm fascinated to learn how your line of work um, actually, uh, you know, op- op- you know, how do you get the approaches? Do people phone you or do you go out and look at specific fighters and go, hey, you know, I've seen a few holes in your game and I think I can help you. How, do- how does it work? Because I know that you went to China as a strike coach. I read up on that. Must have learned a lot in, in that uh, um, part of the world. Yeah, oh, look, it, it, it's 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 different. Obviously, you, you develop a, a reputation over time. Um, we're very fortunate uh, to have at City Kickboxing, um, you know, six world-class coaches, and I'm not joking, we have six world-class coaches in our gym. Um, and the majority of us have been together for 20 years. Um, and uh, some of us actually have been together for 30 years in terms of, coming up through the ranks, competing together, and then maybe coaching together. So uh, that's uh, an unusual circumstance um, that we're fortunate to have in New Zealand because of the size that we are, uh, because uh, the same family culture that you have at City Kickboxing was fostered in our original gyms uh, back in Balmoral Liga. Um, and, you know, we've been able to bring in people who, who suit that culture. On a wider context, um, yeah, you can get picked up by, you know, the UFC, for example, the Performance Institute asked me to, to go out there and assist. Um you know, so you do get those opportunities. Um, it's a combination of creating the opportunity, but most often it generally comes from if you're involved with developing one or two fighters, three from scratch, that go on to become world class, uh, then, uh, you know, uh, Muhammad starts to come to the mountain after that. But until then, um, you can have some great coaches who are just uh, bustling away behind the scenes and they just haven't quite had the horses come across their come across their paddocks so that they can win a few races and that's kind of a one way of looking at it hey mike let's be honest uh, and i know which corner you're in but in all honesty from what you've discussed with us this morning it's it's fascinating because i 
I, I can't pick this one. I'm going to be blunt with you. Does it go the full five? Does Izzy regain the belt? I don't give a fuck if it's over in one round or if it goes the full five. We're feeling confident that, that Izzy can regain the belt. Yes, it's a tough fight, um, you know, and we're going to war. That's probably the best answer I can give you is we're going to war. We're expecting to win. We're a world-class unit operating in perhaps one of the, the greatest uh, middleweight title fights in history, and we're expecting to win. That's our approach. Oh, mate, I appreciate You know, you're, you've always been so generous to us giving you time, and I don't want to stop, I don't want to stop you uh, going and having that uh, last dinner before you know, it gets busy. And thank you for dropping your first F-bomb on radio that I can, that I can remember. Uh, and, uh, mate, uh, from all of us here, Wish Izzy well. I know he doesn't need it because I know he's a supremely confident athlete, but at least we know he's got good people around him. Go well, my friend. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys, and uh, we appreciate everyone's support as well. Thank you. There you go, Mike Ango, striking coach and F-bomb dropper. Uh, did we catch the F-bomb at all? Did we catch, we caught the F-bomb? Okay, that was the bleep. <laughs> Got to lo- So, okay, Grant, so we talked about this before. What did you, what did you learn out of that listening, listening to Mike and, and his intimate insight and in being part of the Izzy camp? Yeah, I mean, I know, as, as we spoke about before this show, I know bugger all about fighting, so I've... I find it quite interesting, mm. you know. Um, I think he sounds confident, but, it, it, you know, it's amazing that you go into the sport with that, um, you know, anything can happen kind of, um, you know, vibe, which I think he was like, yes, we're confident, we're ready, we've done everything possible that we can do prior to this fight, and we're confident, but, you know, we don't know what to expect on the day. And I think that that's the thing, is like you wake up on a different side of the bed and, Pereira might make a mistake. I think it's about making mistakes. And like you say, it's, or like he said, it's split second decisions and, you know, options that you take. And that's why I was fascinated. Do they go and go, right, we're going to get him to ground. We're going to, you know, you know, kick him in the head a number of times. Like, you know, it doesn't sound like you can have a game plan. All you can do is adjust to what ha- what's in front of you on the day. And um, I guess you have all the tools at your disposal. So, um, as much as it being um, you know physical, it is mental, like any other sport. But um, I think that the preparation that goes into it sounds like really intense, and you have to be focused with your preparation. It's constant, man. It's constant. These guys. I mean, look, you, you step into a ring, regardless, uh, you get thumbs up from anyone in Australia. But when you got someone wanting to kick you in the head. It's different when you were mm. boxing. You might someone's punch you in there, but when they but when when they got ten ounce gloves that you know probably aren't as are probably harder than a ten ounce boxing glove, and they want to hit you, and then they want to kick you, and then they'll kick you in the leg and things like that. Uh, these these it's almost Spartan esque, you know. It's like almost medieval, and that's why it is huge. Although I, I should have asked him, did you see the other day that uh, the company Endeavor that owns UFC have now uh, bought WWE? So there's going to be crossover, man. It's going to be that sort of that they're not talking about uh, putting wrestlers into the cage, although we've seen that with Brock Lesnar before, cheetah. But <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be for sort of pretty interesting, mind you. He did give us another T-shirt line, and I would love everybody to get on the uh, t- text line and give up your new T-shirt line on double eight double three because Grant's gone. Uh, watch out for the pine trees. 
So that's his big T-shirt line for the morning. Watch out for the pine trees. But Mike has has levelled up. It's gone. It's milliseconds or millimetres. I instantly went T-shirt straight away. So if you have a T-shirt line that could go on a T-shirt, text us on the Timber Bedpost text line on double eight double three. That's double eight double three. And you're listening to the Saturday Session Motors Club brought to you by Tui Law Enforce with Stephen McIver and Grant Elliott. We are going to talk about the South African invasion of New Zealand cricket next. And it is, trust <laughs> invasion. me, it is an invasion that you didn't know was coming. It is a Trojan horse. Stick with us.